what's up everybody? This is Maddie Moon from MoonFitness.net here with my very first episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is a show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. I'm so excited about this podcast and I knew I had to start it off with a bang, so I asked my good friend Kyla Prince to join me today. I had the pleasure to meet Kyla at the Paleo FX conference last year which we will both be attending this again this month. Super excited about that. She is the author of the popular blog, In My Skinny Jeans, as well as the podcast, Finding Our Hunger. Welcome, Kyla. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, I'm stoked. I knew like when I was first starting out with this, I would want to have a really good conversation with somebody that we are kind of in the same area of life. And um, I definitely look up to you for... Um, inspiration for living a balanced and healthy lifestyle because you're all about that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So um, can you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what you're all about? Where you are mm-hmm. today? Absolutely. So um, I, it's so funny because I feel like I tell this story so much that I'm, I'm always afraid I'm either going to tell too much or leave everything out. <laughs> but um, essentially, I have struggled with an eating disorder since I was 13 years old. Um, undiagnosed for the majority of that time, just because, you know, when you start eating, quote unquote, healthy and exercising, people go, oh my gosh, you look so great. And not, oh my gosh, you are very underweight and probably going to hurt yourself. So, um, you know, I, I spent the majority of my, uh, my adult life, uh, from the ages of 13 to 26, pretty much, um, you know, restricting calories or over-exercising or following ridiculously strict meal plans or, um, you know, I've, I've been a vegan. I've done strict paleo. I've done pretty much, you name it, I've done it. Um, I've done the master cleanse and I don't recommend it. Um, you know, I spent a long time as a bodybuilder as well, um, which for me was, um, it was my second relapse with anorexia actually, but it was hidden at the gym. Uh, so my exercise addiction. And so, you know, I, eventually I just got to a point where my body stopped working. Um, my hormones were completely out of whack. I stopped getting my period and it was a really big wake up call for me because I, you know, there was, there's part of me that's like, okay, great. You know, you don't have to deal with PMS. Fantastic. Um, but then there's the other part that goes, oh my God, I'm 25 years old and I don't function. Like, this is not what 25-year-old women do, especially when they're, you know, I I was doing, at that point, I was a vegan, mostly raw, um, and doing yoga every day. So, you know, it was like, well, there's something wrong here because they said that's healthy and healthy bodies don't just stop working. So um, I did, I found paleo. Um, I've made my blunders with, uh, you know, strict paleo, lean meats, you know, diets and all of that. And now I've kind of just found balance where I don't really even... I mean, I call it paleo for the SEO, right? <laughs> you know, for people, so people can find me. Um, but right now it's really just about eating the things that support my body, support my brain even more. And I've put on a ton of weight and I'm probably the heaviest that I've been in my entire adult life. And yesterday somebody told me that I looked glowy. So um, I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> glowy, I love that. It's awesome. Yeah, it was the best compliment I've ever gotten. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there's something about like when you said earlier that people were saying like, wow, you lost weight. I feel like that is such a it's just it's such a confirmation that you're doing something right, 
because mm-hmm. once you lose that weight, people notice and it makes you feel good about yourself and you feel like you've accomplished something. And I mean, ultimately it makes you feel like you look better and oh, yeah. I feel like there's something so wrong with that. I just, I remember so many times when I didn't even like years ago when I didn't even lose weight, but somebody had once said, you look like you lost weight. And then in my head, I was like, wow, I mean, maybe I should be losing weight because that feels good that people would say that, you know, like, why do we feel that way? That's what I wonder. Well, I think there's a certain type of person. Um, I don't think that everybody's immediately, you know, you, you lose weight and then you latch on to that idea of, you know, oh my gosh, that's the best thing ever. But I, I think there's a certain amount of pride that comes. And if you're kind of an overachiever type A person and somebody approaches you and says, wow, you look amazing. I wish I could do what you do. I think that phrase right there is a huge trigger for me. Conti- still, It still is, you know, where it's like, I wish I could be like you. I wish I had the discipline. I wish I had had the drive or the, the, um, willpower or, and I think for a lot of people you hear that, right? Like, oh my gosh, you look good and I can't look like you, you know? So then that kind of reinforces in your brain, this, this notion that in order to be good, you have to stay regimented. You have to follow a plan. You have to look thin and and beautiful and whatever your, your brain is kind of concocted as like what your body looks like right now. Um, you know, when I was going through the, the worst of my, my final relapse, um, you know, that was when I was following the oxygen magazine, muscle and fitness, hers kind of diet. And I was training for NPC and I thought this is what I need to be doing. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. If you want to compete, compete, but be aware of, you know, what your motivations are. Because for me, it was the motivation was to be able to walk into the gym and go into the locker room and parade around without, you know, just in my sports bra and have women come up to me and say, I can't be like you. You're better than me. And that's, I mean, that's, it sounds really terrible and self-censored, self-centered now that I think about it in retrospect, but at the time it was like, I'm achieving something that others can't that's incredible. And we live in this world where, you know, Fitzbo kind of tells us that's what we're supposed to do. Right. And not even just Fitzbo. I mean, you think about, um, I mean, you listen to the news. It's about achieving. It's about being the best. It's about showing your, you have willpower because, you know, willpower is the only way to be or something like that. But at the same time, I I don't know. Uh, It's, it's a really, it's a, it's kind of a tough thing because it's just kind of the world that we live in right now. Yeah, that's very true. Like you go on Pinterest and you have like just all of these pictures of women that are like shredded and have abs. And it says something with like some kind of quote that'll be like, you know, fitness is a lifestyle or never stop trying or there is no sleep. Like things that you read and you're like, okay, well, I guess, I mean, I guess that's totally doable and I should have that kind of body because it must be easier than than it looks. I mean, it's just these oxygen magazines and give people this idea that that kind of body is not only like capable of obtaining, but you can maintain it as well, which I know from personal experience is ridiculously hard. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's exactly it. And on top of that, it's not just that it's achievable and it's maintainable, but that it's also morally righteous in order to, to have that, you know? So I think the whole, you know, the whole Maria Kang thing that happened, um, if your listeners aren't aware, um, Maria Kang is a very fit woman who has three children. Um, and she is doing some really great things for motivating mothers to get out and work out. So I've seen her site, I've done a little bit of research and I appreciate that she is motivating people 
people to go and, you know, take control of their health. And that's cool. But her thing is the way that she has positioned herself is that it's not just about empowerment. It's about moral self-righteousness. And that's where the controversy, I think, is. Because it's not so much about shaming as it is about moral rectitude. So do you think that in that picture she posted that says no excuses, do you think it was kind of shaming? Or do you think that she was just doing that to make some kind of picture for herself for promotion? What do you think? Well, there's an element of shaming in the moral righteousness. Um, I, I don't think... she She's... From what I can understand, from what I can gather by doing all this research on her, she's very, very good at um, leveraging the outrage culture that we live in. Because I don't know if you've noticed, like we li- that's what we, we live in an outrage culture. If you look at any article that somebody posts on Facebook these days, it's something outrageous that has happened or it's like an outrageously titled Upworthy or BuzzFeed article that's like, you won't believe this happened, <laughs> right? Um, and that's why we click. And so she's doing a great job of self-promotion by creating outrage. Um, is that a good thing? No, because it's perpetuating outrage and it's also perpetuating a, it's a, it is a shame, shaming message, but, and it comes from a place of moral self-righteousness where your excuses are the things that keep you weak and unfit and unworthy of being the kind of mother that I am. So yes, I do think it's shaming. I don't know if it's entirely malicious so much as it's just leveraging, um, the way that PR works these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Um, okay, rewind just a little bit. I want to go back to how you personally kind of felt, how you kind of developed that um, mental sati- um, satiation. Like, how did you finally reach that time in your life where you're like, okay, I'm so done with this and I just want to be happy? Did you have like an aha moment? How did you work through it? Like, what was your process of putting away the, you know, the daily workouts and just kind of listening to your body? Well, so I actually, um, I, it wasn't so much of an aha moment as it was, um, I got punished. (laughs) I got really badly punished. Um, so, you know, I, I, as I mentioned, I stopped getting my period. I was dealing with all sorts of hormonal issues. I now am on thyroid medication. Like this is, it's a whole thing. But, um, back in 2011, um, when I was working in retail, our, I was kind of just coming off of the tail end of my final relapse. You know, I, my retail schedule had changed the way that I was able to control my life. So, um, I started putting on a little bit of weight. I was eating again. You know, I was starting to go out with friends, but I was freaking out because, you know, oh my God, I don't look like an NPC competitor anymore. I'm not lean. I'm not cut. I'm not shredded. What do I do? And I screwed up my back deadlifting. So immediately my sick brain, because I am, I am an exercise addict. I will, you know, like if I were to go to a 12 step, that's my thing. Um, you know, and I, I acknowledge that, um, I at the time didn't realize that. So I couldn't really go and do my squat day deadlift day. And my company decided to sponsor a uh, wellness challenge where everybody got the Nike plus app for free and we could go for a run and the market with the the longest runs would, um, would win. 
So immediately my, my competitive brain kicked in and I went, I'm going to help my market win. Um, and I, I've been a runner. Uh, I used to be the captain of my cross country team in high school. So running for me was just, you know, okay, I'll go back to that. But my body was not ready for it. And I remember about a month in, um, it was May of 2011. So just about what, three years ago, uh, four years ago, I don't even know what year it is right now. So yeah, three years ago, um, <laughs> I was, I was in the middle of a four mile run. It was about mile two. And I can tell you exactly the light post in Delray beach, Florida, where I, um, I felt a little tweak in my ankle. Now, most people, when you feel a tweak in your ankle, you go, huh, I should probably stop. Um, my brain said, power through. You're better than that. It's just a tweak. If it doesn't hurt, then you're not working out hard enough. You know, the Fitzbo thing that happens in your head. And, um, I kept going. So I finished my run and then I did, uh, 30 minutes of plyometrics. Um, I distinctly remember I was listening to Britney Spears femme fatale. That's right after that came out. So, I mean, like I, I remember this summer in vivid de- detail, but yeah, so I did about 30 minutes of plyometrics on, after that. And then I went to work where again, I was in retail at the time. So I was on my feet for about nine hours a day with a couple of 15 minute breaks and a one hour lunch. Um, and then I did it again the next day. And I did it again the next day. And, you know, at about mile two, I kept feeling that tweak, but I kept going. And then eventually it would be for the entire run. And then it would be for every time I walked. And then it would be when I stood. And then it would be, well, I'm on disability and have to take time off from my job. So, I mean, I was in a lot of pain. Um and I still wouldn't stop working out. So I decided to go start yoga while I was on disability, um, just, you know, because I could at least do that. Right. But of course I ended up going to yoga twice a day. And, um, I also became a raw vegan because I was scared of eating calories since I couldn't work out as hard as I thought I was supposed to. Um, and you know, it's so like the cycle kept going and my leg just never got better. Um, I was in pain all the time. Uh, my ankle was swollen and crazy and I just, I couldn't, I tried to go to the gym after I went back to work, you know, so I, I thought I was healed a little bit, went back to work. I'm standing on my feet all day and I was just in so much pain. So I went to the doctor and, um, I was, uh, I had an MRI and I was told that I had a tear in my peroneus longus tendon, which is the tendon that goes down the side, uh, the outer side of the ankle. And, um, I got a second opinion. I had surgery. The doctor opened me up and said, Nope, you don't have a, te- a te- tendon tear. So he closed me up and went home. Well, like th- that was it, you know, and I was in pain all the time. I kept going back to this doctor. Um, and eventually he was just like, we're done here. Uh, and I'm quoting, he said, we're done here. And walked out because he said, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, so chronic pain will, will definitely change the way that you view your body. Um, I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't go to yoga every day. I couldn't hurt myself anymore. And that meant that I wasn't going to have lean muscle all the time. I wasn't going to be, you know, the hundred pounds or how, whatever my brain told me I needed to be. Um, And it really, so there was not like an aha moment, but over the last three years, I have been um, through a lot and a lot of it is really just, I've been forced to not exercise and I've been forced to do the work now of confronting why I feel compelled to exercise and how I can um, continue to love myself um, and treat myself well in the face of chronic pain and injury. Um, And I will just say as a coda to that, um, I'm very fortunate that I, I... 
I was hit by a car last year. I, I promise there's a good end to this story. Yeah, I was hit by a car last year while crossing the street. Um, fortunately, you know, I only broke my other ankle. Um, but in the process, I found a doctor who was willing to do a little bit more work. So instead of just sending me to a neurologist to get put on medication for complex regional pain syndrome, he uh, he said, you know what, your other ankle's still swollen and hurting. Let's just do one more MRI you know, just, just to rule it out. And he actually found out that I did have a tendon tear and he went in and fixed it. It was not the pronius longus. It was the brevis and it had to be reattached to my other tendon because it was so torn by this point. So, um, we're on the mend. Um, and you know, I can start going back to exercise now, but thankfully I now know what my limitations are and what makes me feel good as opposed to what I think I have to do, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So sorry, really long story, but um, I got punished for thinking that I needed to be a certain way. And I just, I can't, can't do that anymore. I mean, that's a severe punishing. <laughs> like I yeah. cannot even imagine getting hit by a car in the first place and having chronic pain and like the doctor's offices like over and over and over again and still having to fight that obsession to you know to run on your ankle I know what you're talking about but I've never had fortunately that kind of chronic pain but I've gone through Mm -hmm. something kind of similar like I used to I used to run in college a lot I would run like what um I think it was like seven miles a day on the treadmill Oh, geez. And I mean, this only first started with the elliptical. I was obsessed with with reaching 1000 calorie burn on the elliptical. So I would keep going on elliptical in high school until I reached 1000 calories. And and then one time, like I stayed up 24 hours to study for a test in college. And I don't know how I didn't eat for all 24 hours. And then I was like, I still had energy. After I took my test, I was pumped. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna go for a run. So instead of doing the elliptical for an hour, I decided to do the treadmill for an hour. And I reached, um, like, I don't know how many calories it was. It was more about getting to that seven-mile marker, which took an hour. And then I was, like, obsessed with it because I had done something so incredibly, like, crazy that no one else did. Like, no one spends that much time on a treadmill except for me. And that's what I was thinking. Like, I am different. You know, I'm... I'm putting in the effort every day to do this and I felt great afterwards. I mean, I had endorphins, yes, because you're going to get some kind of high when you get when you run for that long. I mean, an hour is ridiculous, but I did it and then I became obsessed with it and then it happened every single day for about 4 months. Um I take maybe like one or two days off, but my knees started to hurt really, really bad. I would I would get off it. I would go you know, go home. And then I was a vegetarian at the time. <laughs> I feel like our stories are so like, yeah, I was a vegetarian. So I would go back to my sorority house. Cause I was actually in a sorority at that time and, you know, eat whatever the cook had, like probably just a salad because they always made burgers and stuff. So I'd have a little, little tiny bit of a salad, maybe a half of an apple and then like plop down on the couch and watch TV for an hour. And then I would get up and then my knees, it would just be like, like mm-hmm. just trying to like stretch that knee out and it was just so much pain but for some reason I was like whatever you know I'll get over it I'm tougher than this and so the next day wake up at six in the morning before my class and then do an hour of you know the treadmill feel accomplished feel special and then go to class and then the knee pain all day long yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy and you know I think the thing is I don't I do not wish anybody chronic pain I I hope 
that nobody has to go through it. And I think that's why I had to go through it. And that's why I have this platform that, you know, I have my podcast, I have my blog. Um, I do it not because, you know, like I I just, I just want to help other people figure this out before the, before they get to the point where they can't walk when they have to get up from the couch. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody in chronic pain or having to have like, you know, major ankle surgeries for, you know, years and years and years. It's just not, it's not worth it. It really isn't. Um, because what, to win a trophy at a competition where somebody tells you your body looks good or, you know, to, to spin longer than everybody else. I mean, whatever, whatever your thing is, you have to ask yourself what your motivations are. And, um, I think for a lot of people, this is something I've noticed too. You know, we are, because we are told that health is, um, of paramount importance. We live in a world where there's an obesity crisis and diabetes crisis and heart disease crisis, right? We are, and we're all getting fatter and there's news reports every single day and our two thirds of our children are overweight and it's scary, right? Like there's this really scary, you know, cloud over the idea of health right now in the world that we live in. And so what happens is as soon as we, you know, the driven, um, over exercisers of the world, the people who were, were already vegetarians or paleo or whatever. Um, you know, we have like these strict ideas about what food is supposed to be and we're eating hundred percent organic. And then somebody says, Oh, but you also have to look a certain way. I mean, I think that we use our aesthetics as the marker to show other people that we are healthier than other people. If that makes any sense. Oh no, that makes total sense. I feel like people just, assume that health equals fitness or, mm-hmm. or like physical fitness body. And, and that actually means leanness. Like yes. just the other day I have, I have a picture of myself on my business card and you know, whenever I pass that out to people, they're like, wow, you look so fit there. Mm-hmm. And I do not have those abs right now at all, but I am <laughs> 10 times more fit than I was then because I'm eating a wide range, like I'm eating a very wide assortment of food. I'm eating a lot more calories. I'm stronger. I feel so good. I felt so bad during that photo shoot because I was deprived. I was lean. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, eating like a thousand calories a day and doing cardio twice a day. And I just felt like crappy. And when people see that business card, they automatically just say, wow, I mean, you are fit there. What, what? I mean, I feel like I need to take down that picture off that card because it's just kind of starting to fight with my morals a little bit because I don't want people to see that or be part of that movement, that growing movement that whenever, you know, someone is, has abs or has a huge bicep, they're fit because fitness is so much more than that. It's about feeding yourself and being able to get off the couch without your knees hurting and, you know, go to sleep and have, you know, eight hours of sleep and feel like wake up in the morning and feel refreshed, you know? You know, can I just say how happy I am to hear you say that, um, that, okay, because I actually just, uh, so on my podcast this week, um, uh, I'm going, I interviewed, uh, a girl who wrote a book about anorexia and we were talking about, um, just kind of like how we, we tell our stories and how we always want to share, you know, there's, there's this little part of us in the back of our heads that want to share the accomplishment of extra leanness of, of being that small or disappearing properly. Um, and I think, you know, even if you don't have a diagnosable eating disorder, there's kind of that pride in still like, even as after we've moved past it, right? Like I'm not, I'm not as thin as I used to be and I'm not going to be ever again. I don't think, um, 
but there's still that part of me that's like every time I post a picture, you know, I have to think like, what's my motivation for posting this? You know, do I want people to compliment me or to, to say how good I looked? Um, and to, to let go of that, to say, you know, maybe I do need to take this off my business card. I mean, I don't post pictures of what I looked like anymore on my blog. I stopped about a year ago. Um, I don't want to share that. I don't want to trigger other people. And I don't want to trigger myself. I don't want to. I mean, and I'll be really honest. Um, I am still battling the body image thing, you know, dysmorphia when your when your brain expects to see one thing and it sees something different, um, is really jarring. It's really traumatic. It's a little bit tough to deal with. And, you know, going to paleo FX this year, which is in two weeks, um, I'm going to be there speaking on a panel about eating disorders and about addiction. Um, and I am many pants sizes bigger than I was last year. And there's a part of me that is, I'm, I'm totally fine with going and just I, I there's so many people I have to hug it's going to be ridiculous like I'm not even going to have time to sit through the the conference because I'm just going to be hugging people but um there's a part of me that is absolutely terrified of this bigger body that I'm in and being seen in it if that makes any sense mm-hmm. um and I'm intellectually I'm like that's the dumbest thing ever like I look beautiful I got called glowy like (laughs) I look I look good I know I look good um and it has nothing to do with being fitter than anybody else or not fitter like I, I if you're thin like be thin it's this isn't a shaming thing at all this is just in my personal body I am bigger than I've ever been and I have to be okay with that but there's still a little piece of me that's like but it's I'm going to get seen now, (laughs) you know, and I'm not going to be perfect and I'm not going to have abs and, you know, I have to deal with it. It's really tough. Yeah. You know, Kyla, I think that's why people love your, your blog and love your podcast because you're so honest and people need to hear that. I mean, it's not, it's really easy to gain like two pounds and still feel fine. But whenever you're actually trying to consciously be comfortable in a, in a different body that you're not used to and one that's different that you've chased all of your life, that is a huge feat and that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, to be able to you know say, okay, this is my body. I need to love it no matter what shape and size. I think that's so hard for so many people. And it's a battle that I, I pray that you know we all don't have to face one day. But I mean, all you can do is consciously keep working towards that and just know like, everyone's going to think you're beautiful. You know, people don't, don't care what shape and size you are. It's who you are. And it's the message you're sharing. Exactly. And it's, again, it's not easy. This is, I mean, like I said, I'm still scared to death of going and I'm going, (laughs) you know, I, I bought, I bought my size medium clothes and they're gorgeous and they, I look and feel beautiful in them. And, you know, it's like, okay, I can, I can handle this. And I'm in a place where I can handle that now. But I know for a lot of people, uh, you know, that's why we go on those, those 10 day cleanses. Oh my God, I have to lose all this weight before the wedding. Or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to my 25th annual, you know, high school reunion and I have to drop six dress sizes to prove something. But then wait, what, what are you proving? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Everybody else is so busy in their own head going, do I look good? Is my hair out of place? Do I have something in my teeth? Did I gain 15 pounds? Like they're all worried about themselves. They're not worried about you. And so then we have to ask, well then, so what is it? Is it the moral thing? Like proving that we're fitter and better than other people or like what else is going on underneath there? 
Yeah, that's really funny because I was actually just telling somebody that the other day. Someone was talking about like their weight and I was saying, you know, everyone else is inside of their head so much thinking about their own body. No one's mm-hmm. thinking about yours. So don't change yeah. for anybody else except for yourself if that's what you really want. But um, I honestly think that you are, I mean, when I think about Paleo FX last year, I was in a really good place. Like me and you met at a body transformation uh, panel, which yep. I mean, it's really funny. You were sitting right behind me and you spoke up and then about your anorexia and I just turned around and I was like, wow, like that's really powerful. I feel like I'm going through something kind of similar. You know, I just had my first uh, bodybuilding show and, you know, we just kind of talked about stuff from there, but I was at kind of a similar place then than I am now, except I've come full, full circle again, because after yeah. that, after that show, I did gain, after Paleo FX, I mean, I gained a little bit of weight too. Not even much. You wouldn't really even notice it. It was maybe mm-hmm. like three or four or five pounds. And it was from eating more fat, but also eating a lot of like sweet potatoes because I was trying to be a female paleo bodybuilder, which is not really heard of. But I was trying to do that, and I ended up gaining a little bit of weight. So then um, I met somebody who tried to get me, you know, to do another show so that I could get more clients for personal training. Because when you look good, you get more clients is what exactly they told me. So, I mean, he's even specifically said, you're cute, but you're not super fit. (gasps) Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Wow. That's... I mean, it came from a good place in our heart because this particular person actually helped me in a sense, like start my, my business right out of school because everyone else kind of doubted me and said, you need to get a full-time job. You just finished college. But I was the one that was like, no, you know, I want moon fitness to be my career. And he kind of was like, you can do this. You can. So he gave me a lot of confidence in that area, but he pushed me in a certain to back to where I was and where I'd finally broken through because he reinforced what I already thought in my head that I need to be super lean. So he said, like, you know, you should set another show for um, to, as an inspiration to get fit. You need to do another bodybuilding show, and here's your diet, blah, blah, blah. He kind of helped me with that. But then I went from being, like, so confident and feeling good and excited to do moon fitness and teach the right message to, oh, wait, you're right. I'm not lean enough. I'm cute, quote, unquote, but I'm not a superstar fitness queen, you know? Yeah. So then I signed up for another show and then, you know, like my blog just went from paleo and, you know, eat clean. Like, I mean, they're both eat clean technically, but more like, you know, eat the, eat like a caveman, you know, all the recipes. And then all of a sudden switched over to chicken and, you know, half a cup of rice and treadmill every morning. And this is my bodybuilding routine. And then, you know, three months down the road, I'm dying, you know, I'm like, I'm like dying. And I'm, I'm just, I had such a moral dilemma because I just, I started to remember why in the first place I knew this wasn't right because people are reading this stuff and they see, wow, like if this is what I need to do to get that lean, then I'm going to do it because she does it, you know, and and here's free advice posted on this Facebook group. So I'm going to follow it. And And I just went full circle again. And then, you know, I just finished the show in November and I'm back to where I was last year during the Paleo FX conference because I was in a great spot then and I was really starting to grow into my skin. But right now I'm even more into my skin than I was before. I know for a fact, I felt like last year I was kind of chasing after my, you know, I was trying to work towards putting my self-worth somewhere else, but I wasn't completely there. I was almost there. But right when I almost got there, I switched over and I went back Mm -hmm. to where I was. But now 
I am like, I'm just, I've reached the point. I'm so done. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm never going to do another show, but I, as of right now, I'm never planning on doing another one. I don't know where I'll be in a few years. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm 22 when I'm 26, whatever. But I feel mm-hmm. like I've learned a lesson at a young age, and I really think it's going to carry over for a lot of years. By yeah, me, you know. absolutely. And I, so, you know, I mean, the thing for me is <laughs> I just I love that you say that, you know, you got almost there and then you caught yourself and you moved back. And I think for so many of us, we really just hold on to the idea that we can have it all. Um, and you can't. Um, and it all being, you know, extreme leadness and looking like the fitness queen that's on the Fitzbo pictures. And then also the idea that we can be healthy, functioning, happy human beings who use food, not as fuel, because I, I so here's the, you know, food is not love and food is not fuel. Food is food. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I think that we, we spend so much time like making metaphors about it or yeah. Um, you know, it's just like we we forget, you know, like because I, I was and I will say I was very worried about you um, and I didn't interfere. I didn't like, uh, you know, send you messages like, Madeline, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I saw those pictures of, of the chicken and I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> And I didn't want to say anything because I know that sometimes people need to find this themselves. If I were to, if, cause I can, I can guarantee you that if I had like started pinging you, like at this point, you would have, you'd never speak to me again. <laughs> you know, you know and, I, was, I was always kind of consciously aware that you were there though. It's kind of funny because like when I was posting all the paleo stuff, whatever, you commented a lot on my, on my posts, <laughs> like way to go, like way yep. to go. go. <laughs> Once I started getting back into, here's my 35 chicken breast you know, off to do the step mill for 40 minutes. Yay. You slowly disappeared. Yep. I just, I mean, but the thing is, you know, because I know that you are smart enough to find what works for you and because you're, you're inquisitive and you're seeking and because you've already gotten to that almost place, right? You've been there where you've gone, like, I need to find the answers. I knew that you would. And so for me to interfere and say like, what are you doing that? If anything, I feel like a a lot of times when people interfere and they're like, why are you, why aren't you eating? You know, like when you have family members who are like, are you eating enough? You know, God, you only eat salad. You should eat this. As soon as you hear that immediately, the the moral self-righteousness button in your head gets pressed. And it's like, well, if they think I should, they're also the people who wish they could be like me. So they're just jealous or they're just, they're interfering or they don't want me to be happy. And then you immediately like switch. I mean, cause I've been there. I've done that. You know, when people tell me to, you know, change. And it's like, nope, I'm actually better than that, (laughs) you know, and it can actually push you further. So when you are talking to somebody who is having, you know, they're in a place where they're exploring what their limits are, you know, obviously there's a a point where like if somebody were like, say, anorexic um, and actually like actively killing themselves, um, I think then there's a point where you'd have to have an intervention. But for somebody like you, I know that you're going to find what works for you and you're going to do what works for you. It's just it, it. You need to discover it because if somebody else tells you how to do it, you you won't. You won't. You'll stop looking. If that makes any sense at all. Oh no, that makes that makes total sense. I probably would have done exactly that. I probably would have been like, <laughs> I'm doing this competition because I'm awesome, and this is my calling, and this is where I'm supposed to be in life. And and I mean, you know, I'm really glad that I figured that out on my own. And I, I even think I figured that out. I, uh, I had an aha moment. I've had several. I've had, 
I guess so. Yeah, I haven't had one single aha moment that just changed my life forever. But the day of my last show, I had an aha moment when I was lying in the hotel bed after after it was all said and done. I just said to my mom and my sister who came out to support me. I just said, you know what? This was not worth it. This was mm. I, this was a crappy, crappy day. This was awful. I I even cried right, coming right off of the stage because I just didn't. I, I didn't feel fit, and my, my idea of fit solely was relying on how I felt on that, that stage. And all, my, all the accomplishments that I had made over that month disappeared, and then all of the sacrifices that I made just came to my mind. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I made a huge accomplish by getting up on that stage. I mean, that's subjective, mm-hmm. but, you know... I, I sacrificed a lot. I sacrificed sleep. I sacrificed relationships. I sacrificed time, money. Oh my goodness. I can't even tell you how much <laughs> money those things cost. And but during that day, people were rude to me. Like the tanning people were rude. Like the other competitors were rude. I mean, everyone was starving. So I understand, but that's the one day you should be the most excited because, you know, here it is finally your moment. And also because it's almost over with and, you know, a cheeseburger is just waiting for you. So everyone should be a little bit happy in my head. I was thinking that, but I, you know, I, I didn't place where I wanted to place. So I felt like I made those sacrifices for no reason. I didn't feel like I looked up to par and it was just so many emotions. And I was just laying in that hotel bed and I was thinking like, I don't deserve to feel this way about myself. I mean, I am not at all whining or complaining. I really hope no one takes it like that. Like, oh, I didn't win, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying that personally, I mean, it's just not for me because I I cannot handle it. I'm not saying you can't, but, you know, I cannot do that. I can't go through four months at a time with one goal in mind, giving up my youth, basically. I mean, Mm -hmm. I missed missed my 21st birthday for this. You know, I was competing during my 22nd. Uh, I probably missed out on a lot of opportunities to go on nice dates and meet nice people. Um, missed out on probably a few conversations because I kept going back to competing because it's, you know, mind consuming. Mm-hmm. But that day I just had this moment where I was like, okay, no, 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 I'm done. I can't, I can't waste as much time and dieting and blah, blah, blah. And even after that show, I didn't, I didn't indulge like people usually do. Cause I had a photo shoot the next day. So I was like, consumed and worried that, you know, my body was going to blow up with sodium if I had, you know, an extra scoop of peanut butter or something like that. And that's just such a waste of time to think about those things. Yeah. Oh. It, it, and you know, I mean, for some people that's, that's where they're at in their life and that's fine. But I think, you know, the, the issue for me about competition is that we're literally subjecting ourselves to other people's opinion. That's we, so we spend all of this time because we want to be judged. We want desperately to be judged. And then we also have this amazing fear of being judged. So it's this weird place where you're constantly stressed out because you're concerned about what other people think about you, but you want people to think about you. And so, you know, it's like, I I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think bodybuilding is a good thing anymore. And I know that I'm probably going to get some flack for that from people who love it. And you know, uh, that's cool. I'm not shaming anybody, like do what you got to do, um, get to the place where you got to get. But for me, I, okay. So I'm going to be 28 this year, which I can't even like my brain right now. Um, I've missed my entire adult life. Um, 
and not just with bodybuilding. I mean, I only did the bodybuilding thing for about nine months. For me, uh, that came from a, an abusive, bad relationship that I was in. Um, uh, you know, really long story. But, you know, before that, I was only a vegetarian, but really vegetarian meant only peanut butter on rice cakes and apples because I was scared of calories. And it meant if I didn't bike to the gym and do 50 minutes on the whatever and then pull-ups and then bike home and then also bike back and play tennis. And, you know, so I was constantly consumed with having to exercise, having to eat quote unquote right or quote unquote healthy. And I have missed out on everything from sleepover parties when I was 14 years old to boyfriends to developing a group of friends, even developing interests. So you want to hear something funny. I don't have, I don't know movies. I don't like music. I, I, my life is fitness and nutrition and health. And it's gotten to the point where like, I went to, um, I went to a a marketing convention in January in Vegas and I was talking to this guy at a, at a, you know, a meetup party. And he's like, so what kind of movies do you like? Like, what have you seen recently? And I went, wait, we're supposed to watch movies. (laughs) And so I'm still, I'm still learning. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out who I am now instead of who I think I should be judged to be. But wow. it's a, That's yeah, a wake up call for sure. It totally is. And, you know, I think combined with the fact that my body stopped working and I realized at almost age 28 that, you know, obviously I'm not currently dating and I'm not, you know, looking to have a child right now. I'm still working on me, but I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is the scariest thing in the entire world to me that I will have destroyed it and I can't maybe have a kid if I want to, if that ever becomes an option or even just function in a healthy way without having to take extra supplements or do the research to find out, you know, what's going on with my genetic expression that's causing me to, you know, have a sluggish thyroid and lose hair, you know? So it's just, it's very, I don't wish, I don't wish that kind of obsession on anybody. And I really just hope that those of you out there who are listening, if you feel like Every, you have to be a certain way, like you have to be an athlete, you have to be a bodybuilder, you have to be a vegan yogi, whatever the heck it is, or a paleo yogi, because I know some of those, like whatever it is, there is more to life than rules. And I'm not saying like go out and eat Twinkies, because I also think that's not a good idea. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I'm like all over the place right now, but um, that just that brings up a point for me. You know, I know that there's like a, an anti um, movement going on, like with the eat the food idea where it's like you can eat whatever you want and work out really hard and lift heavy things and you'll still have a great body. But I still think the message at the end of the day is let's not focus on the mental part of this, which is like, it's not about restriction. It's not about eating everything. It's about eating food that's natural and meant for human bodies that supports you, makes you feel good and not doing it in a way that you feel like you have to weigh and measure every single Mm-hmm. portion and only eat sweet potatoes after your workout. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's really complicated and I'm still trying to parse that, um, discourse and find a way to say it properly without pissing everybody off. But I feel like at this point I probably have. So, <laughs> so is eat the food kind of like IIFM that if it fits your macros thing, or do you just throw macros out the window? Yeah, I think it's macros out the window. The idea is more like counting calories, but eating what you want. So it's like knowing that you can eat 3,500 calories in a day and still lift heavy things and also eat Twinkies and be okay with it. Um, I know that, and I'm sure that if if Amber ever hears this, she'll get very mad because she is a very outspoken person. I 
think that the idea behind it is really, really awesome. I just think people need to be able to do the work and they also should not even... So the problem is people feel restricted by the idea that they can't have Twinkies anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And so then the the opposite thing is like, well, I can just eat what I want. And by eating what I want, it's going to be all of the things. And I don't think all of the things are food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. I don't think all of the things are food. Part of what has helped me in my recovery from my eating disorder is fixing my brain. And in fixing my brain, that meant fixing my gut. And in fixing my gut, that meant eat, following a paleo Weston A. Price style diet where it's not a diet. I don't have times that I'm, you know, I'm not intermittent fasting, so I can only eat between this window and that window, or I'm not doing a whole 30 where I can only have three meals and no snacks. I'm just, I eat organ meat when I feel like it. And I eat bone broth in the morning sometimes. And, um, you know, I like meat and vegetables and I still make my own chocolate. And it's just, I mean, I don't know. There's, it's not a diet. It's just, it is. It's just mm-hmm. me food. eating food when I'm hungry. It's just yeah. food. That's all it is. Exactly. And I will say, um, I have major anxiety, like part of all of the stuff that's been going on in my head. You know, I've, I've suffered from major depressive disorder, anxiety, social anxiety. And since I've started eating this way, like even just for the last couple of weeks, I can, I'm running out of fingers to count the number of times that I've gone out with people and not had a panic attack. Oh, that's like, amazing. It's it's a huge win. You have no idea. Like I there's a reason I feel glowy right now and that is because I feel full. And not full with food, but full of life. And I don't know how to, you know, best describe it other than it doesn't have anything to do with the things that I ate. I I ate things that were outside of paleo, like probably cooked in canola oil. I think I might have accidentally had soy the other night when I went out for sushi. Like, I'm still here. I'm alive. And yes, I'm a size medium now. Um, And I look awesome. You look awesome. It's like you're free. You you feel free. And I, I know what you're talking about with that fullness. It's like kind of complete. Is that a good word to describe it? You feel kind of complete? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the strategies, so I know that this was kind of a, a question, this is a question. It's like, okay, well, great. I want to get there, but I'm also scared to death of my sweet potatoes. And I'm also still like, I just, I need rules um, and or, but I don't want to change. Right. Um, I feel complete the way I am and that's cool. But like when people reach out to me, they're like, okay, so what do I do? You know, how do I get to where you are? Because I mean, I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm not an expert. I'm just me talking about my experience and helping people with using my experience. But one thing that has really helped me, um, is my daily gratitude practice, which sounds so silly and woo woo and whatever. Um, it's the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And I started it by accident. Um, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook and Twitter, but um, every single night, and I think I've maybe missed like five or six nights at this point, every single night I tweet my gratitude. So I have 140 characters, so I have to actively think and like try to fit in that 140 characters something good that happened to me during the day or something I'm grateful for. And it is literally like my brain, if something bad happens, um, instead of dwelling, on it, my brain will actually flip into this. Okay, but what else can you talk about tonight? Because you can't tweet that. So what are you going to talk about tonight when you when you tweet your gratitude? It's it's changed my life. I've done it since September, and it's, I mean, such so, such a simple thing, and it's free. Thank you, Twitter. Um, and it just it it really is. It's made things so much better because my brain really just focuses on 
okay, well, I stubbed my toe. Oh, I know, but you know what? I got a letter from a friend. You know, like it just immediately, your brain starts looking for the good things and it's really cool. I don't know how I missed this because I didn't even know you were doing this. I, actually, I do know I do know how because I'm never on Twitter ever. I, <laughs> I, I'm just now starting to get back on Twitter. I, I've been linking all my Facebook things to Twitter, so I don't really have to give it much attention, but I'm going to start doing Twitter. But um, I'm, I'm really excited to, to read these because I feel like that's a really great idea. Gratitude comes into play so much and it's so underestimated. Mm-hmm. We just keep going on throughout our day, just living it and going through the motions and just kind of passing by all of the things that we escape in life, like accidents. And, you know, you could have, I don't know, it could have been an ugly day, but it's actually a beautiful day. And that gave you the advantage to go for a walk or whatever. But what's like an example of, of a tweet? Like what's, what did you tweet last night? Do you remember? Oh yes, I do actually. So I, um, just, I left my company, um, which I, I spent, I devoted a very large amount of my life to, um, I loved my company and I'm, I'm, I have a new opportunity, um, and I'm moving on. So let's see. Last night I tweeted, I'm today. I'm grateful for my company name, uh, new opportunities, late nights and new friends, because I got to go out with some new friends. So again, you know, getting to go out. Um, let's see. A, another example of one of my tweets is, and and I will say, because sometimes it's hard to think of stuff, you know, like especially when you're first getting started. Oh, actually, March 28th. Today, I am grateful for podcasts, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I am. I love podcasts. They make me so happy. Um, but I mean, it's like it can be simple things. Um, today, I'm grateful for reconnecting with a friend over dinner. Um and so, you know, what I did though, actually, I don't know, I'm, I should, I should send this to you because it's, it's a lot of fun. So finding things to be grateful for at the beginning kind of sucks. Um, you know, when I got hit by a car, I could go, well, um, I've spent 10 and a half hours in the hospital. I had to pay all my medical bills, um, which I'm still paying off. Um, I, you know, lost function in my left leg. I ended up screwing up my right leg more and having to have another surgery and there's all these things, but, um, I didn't die. Um, I escaped with only a broken leg. It led me to find my doctor who did the surgery on my right leg and now I'm going to heal. Like all of these great things happen. So I joke, I'm kind of grateful I got hit by a car. So, so, you know, finding things to be grateful for at the beginning though is really tough. So what I did, um, if you go to inmyskinnyjeans.com slash gratitude mad libs, I created a 30-day autoresponder. So if you put your name into that, um, you'll get an email every single night for 30 days with gratitude Mad Libs that links to Twitter. So all you have to do is find a thing to fit, you know, so it'll be like, you know, um, let's see. And I know a couple of people have been doing it, actually. Um, so, you know, today I'm grateful for insert gift here from at person here. And then so you just insert that and you hit tweet. Um, today I'm grateful for finding buried treasure like blank and, uh, um, in unexpected places. So, you know, so it, it trains your brain to start looking for the gratitude, but you don't have to actually think of something to be grateful for. Cause I've already done the work for you. Wow. That is insane. I love that. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I had so much fun putting it together. It took a really long time. It's free. You just put your, your email in and it sends you emails every day for 30 days. For 30 so. days. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So like usually by the time you're done with that, you can, your brain's kind of gotten accustomed to being grateful. <laughs> and then you can take it from there, hopefully. 
Exactly. And worst case scenario, I can always make more. Y'all just let me know. Send me an email. I'll, I'll create some more Mad Libs. I had fun doing it. Um, and you don't have to tweet them if you don't want to, but it gives you that like 140 character thing so that you can start. Cause I, I like having that restriction. I think that's a good form of restriction. Um, because it really forces your brain to narrow in on something that you can laser pinpoint that you're grateful for, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and you can print them out. They're printable. So you can, uh, you can open them in Microsoft word and change the words and just hold on to them for yourself. So you can look back, um, but yeah, it's it's probably one of my it was one of my more brilliant ideas. <laughs> that is when did you create that? That, that really is uh, awesome. Last month. I uh, it's it took me about 2 months to put together, but wow. um I launched it last month, yeah. Wow, and have a lot of people been participating? Mhm. It's been really cool actually. Um I love it when I see I see tweets from people cuz it tags me so I know when people are are uh, tweeting. So I, I just, I love it. It makes me so, and then I'm grateful that people are doing this and finding their own gratitude. So it's just, it, if anything, it's completely selfish. Um, <laughs> it's completely selfish, but I, I really enjoyed making it. Oh, that's awesome. So, so being grateful, that is a key to feeling mm-hmm. less restricted in life. Except you have yeah. your Twitter restrictions, but that's not much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the one. Well, that's. I mean, that's my whole tagline, right? I count characters, not calories. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, and you know, so Twitter. So basically, what I'm saying is, Twitter is the greatest tool ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want, if you want to love your body, you just need Twitter. You just need Twitter. <laughs> that's the key. Forget Facebook pages. Oh yeah, that's totally. <laughs> awesome. But, well, I could continue to talk to you all day long, but I think we're running out of time. Okay. So could you give us a little bit of information about how to find you, what all your links are? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, so if you want to play Gratitude Mad Libs, all you do is go to inmyskinnyjeans, that's G-E-N-E-S, uh, dot com slash Gratitude Mad Libs. Or if you just go to inmyskinnyjeans.com, there's a button at the top, and then you can see all the blog posts. Um, you can listen to the Finding Our Hunger podcast by going to iTunes or Stitcher, typing in Finding Our Hunger or findingourhunger.com. And of course, Twitter at Miss Skinny Jeans. So M I S S S K I N N Y G E N E S. And like I said, I count characters, not calories, and I will answer because I'm a Twitter addict. So <laughs> love it. Thank you so much for being with us today, Kyla. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. You bet.